0: Welcome to Flourishing Education, the podcast that provides you with conversations with experts and like-minded people who would like to see education turn into a flourishing environment for the well-being of all. So, are you ready? Let's start. hope you enjoy this session. Hello, um today I'm um delighted to be speaking to Fiona. So I met Fiona last week um at an evening sort of event with Evolve. Um and I was really, really moved by um Fiona's story. Um obviously reached out to her and asked her to come and talk to us so before we start this podcast uh, Fiona do you just want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you uh, you know your foundation um, and what you've been doing so far
1: sure that's a long story though mm-hmm. I can try and do it I'll do a little short version um, so I'm Fiona spargo Maps. And I uh, founded a drug and alcohol education charity six years ago when my 16-year-old son, Dan, died having taken MDMA. Um, We started the charity because, I mean, basically because we just wanted to do, we were just kind of driven with this passionate commitment to do everything we could to stop any harm of any sort happening to anybody else's child because it's... It's just so totally unnecessary, um, and we realised so many things when Dan died. Uh, one of which was that drugs were just a lot closer to our door than we'd we'd realised. We weren't. We didn't feel we were ignorant. Tim, my husband and I had even done a six week course for parents. We spent six evenings, two hours, learning about how to help us children stay safe around drugs, and um, we had, you know, anyway, we didn't. We didn't feel we were ignorant, and and had had conversations at home Dan was endlessly chatty so talked about all sorts of things and curious about everything always wanted to know what you thought about stuff and and we'd had conversations specifically about ecstasy but I just didn't realize quite how normalized drugs have become for for older teens particularly and how available and accessible and affordable and non-stigmatized they are and alongside that we also just didn't realize as parents quite how much schools were struggling to do drug education well or at Mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. even and so there's this and then you throw into that which I've also learned lots about I knew nothing whatsoever about which is um, adolescent brain development and how difficult it is for for children through that adolescent period and particularly sort of I think in those in those mid to late teens but that's your area of expertise uh, much more than mine but um but navigating that decision making and managing risk and Mm. when and and there's this kind of I don't want to call it a perfect storm because it sounds like there's a there's a doom and gloom out there when actually there's so much that can be done Um, but without without young people and their parents and the people that work with them and care for them being properly armed and prepared they're just so incredibly vulnerable and and that's a universal issue it's obviously there will always be some young people that are that are much more vulnerable to risk and harm from drugs and alcohol than others and there are there are risk factors which are which are well known and and are common sense but but what what Dan's death made us realize is that someone who is bright and articulate and incredibly big-hearted and kind and incredibly popular. He was prom king at the end of year 11, which is basically a popularity test. Everybody liked Dan. One of his many gifts was just making friends with everybody. And mm. he, he just wouldn't have been somebody on anybody's radar of concern. And yet he came to the most significant sort of harm. Um, and that's why we started the charity. And over the last few years, particularly in that in that first year before we really got going, first year, 18 months, we did lots and lots of, um, I, I was fortunate to be introduced to just about everybody um, that was really useful in the sector. Well, some really key people anyway, I've let, met lots of other really useful key people since then um, through a very, very uh, kind, uh, useful contact, then Commander Simon Gray, uh, who was, um, has advised the Met Police on drugs and the mm. National Police Chiefs Council drugs lead for many many years, so he knew everybody in the sector and introduced me to everybody. And Just to find out, to learn our trade really. My background is I was I was an English teacher in adult education, um, and uh, latterly over the last uh, number of years before that I worked with increasingly broad management roles within our local authority in education quite broadly, but working with with adults and parents. Um, and with early years and primary, and kind mm. gap around secondary, which is why I, d- I just didn't know that, that this there was such a gap in in, in terms of drug education. And um, so, so we did. I, I did a lot of research, learnt my trade, um, I retrained as a, a drugs educator, found out what the evidence base was
0: mm-hmm. of what
1: effective practice is in drug education. There is really good evidence base. Um, what what where the gaps were and what would what would work what was needed what would be effective for busy schools particularly
2: mm.
1: um, and from that we've developed um, this multi-component approach coming trying to come at it from every different direction that we can mm. that's a very long answer to your question about loads more that i can say
0: no so no no, stop no there and you can ask me some more questions <laughs> no that's that's, that's, a, that's a really good start and you know the, the one thing that really resonated with with me is that actually from if I remember rightly you said last week when, when we spoke that actually Dan wasn't You obviously said it was you know king like the, the, the king of the prom so it was very popular and he wasn't really someone who you would think would be taking drugs so it was a little bit no. unexpected is, is yeah. that
1: right? I mean having said that you know it, I've, I've got two boys um, and I'm sure, as is the case, well, everybody's children are different, aren't they? But it seems often the case that one is more cautious and risk averse. And Dan was always up for an adventure and was always curious and was always, you know, he was the one that was that was um, always choosing the weirdest thing on a menu in a in a restaurant. So there was kind of that that adventurous yeah. spirit and that life affirming, life embracing side of Dan of the mm. two of them. I always knew if one of them was going to maybe take that kind of risk just to see what it was like, that it would be more likely to be Dan than Jacob, but okay. he was really, he'd always been really anti-drugs with, within our extended family, unfortunately, a, 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 an experience of somebody that we all love very much who'd, who'd really, really struggled with dependency and problematic to, to, uh, addiction to uh, some really serious nasty stuff, and we'd ended up with her little boy living with us for five years. So I had these three little boys, which was such a precious time for five years. Dan was five, Lewis was six, Jacob was seven. Um, but we, so Dan had seen and grown up firsthand with the, the mm. damage that drugs mm-hmm. can do. He used to give, I mean, even into year 11, he gave his friends that smoked such a hard time get off their back he said it was disgusting you might as well be doing drugs um, it was just you know but but things can shift i talk when i'm talking to young people in schools i talk about the frog and the boiling water thing yeah, I'm yeah talking to somebody who is a real expert in all of these things and i'm not uh, in terms of, of of kind of with that resilience and and, and awareness and all that uh, adolescent development stuff so i apologize for my simplistic approach but no no it's
0: good simple is good i I really (laughs) like it and you know you know i would definitely not describe myself as an expert i very much feel like um a little bit like you because of what happened to Dan, you just found yourself in a situation where you you retrained, etc. For me, it was a similar approach, and I, I also used the analogy of the frog in boiling water because when right. I went to to Haiti in two thousand and fourteen, I very much felt like the frog that had been you know, sort of like put in boiling water, and I wanted to jump back out. <laughs> because, right, right, because, yeah, because it was just what is going on. So you know I I I feel very much, you know, like I'm I'm still finding out information about what's going on with young people because it's such a a new, you know, it's so new to me. Uh well it's
1: um, it's new to everyone in a sense, isn't it? Because it's mm-hmm. a relatively new area of research and uh, neuroscience. Yeah. It's so interesting, it makes sense of so many things. But mm-hmm. for for, for for Dan, it was, um, and for so many young people, it's that little, 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 that's mm-hmm. kind of having a little splash around in this lovely cold water, and then all of a sudden, well, it's not all of a sudden, that's the problem. It's it's those little, little changes around you, and maybe a shift in friendship group, and, and maybe something just becoming normal that was never normal, and those little, mm-hmm. little steps to something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We, we, there was a whole, we found out a whole backstory which could just have happened to anybody and nobody meant it to end so badly but just a friend that had got very involved in drugs over that summer and and lots of messages from her to Dan saying how amazing it was and and Dan to start off with saying look just be careful I don't need to get addicted and um, but just then over those two three months before he died they went to a gig so there's all of that going on literally just in that first term of year 12 uh, went to a gig she gave him a little bit to try went to another gig a bit later and she got him and another friend some of their own from her dealer and dan hadn't enjoyed that he had he'd spent the next few days in bed with the temperature and he that had clearly really shaken him i remember i'd forgotten about it till i saw that i remember he'd been he'd been off school for a few days and i just thought he'd picked up a bug at this gig i'd got no idea no idea i knew nothing about any of this But this was the second time. And then New Year's Eve, this friend is messaging Dan, saying, Dan, we've basically been high for 23 hours. It's such an amazing feeling. It was all that kind of, it's just such an amazing feeling. But at that stage, Dan says, no, thanks. I do want to live till I'm 25. And then there's this rave just 17 days later. And one of the things that was hardest for us was that he clearly didn't really want to go he's coming up with a whole bunch of excuses some of them fairly I'm sure legitimate like I'm really tired he wasn't a great one for all-nighters and a rave is a he, he went the other side of I thought he was going to sorry, I didn't tell the whole story but I thought he was going to a party but it was an illegal rave it was the other side of London to us miles away and and that's where the MDMA came in and it was mostly boys from another school it was friends of a new friend who joined the school for sixth form and, it was just ended up being a bit of a an unexpected adventure, I think yeah. um, and um, anyway this this friend uh, it was it was the random excuse i 've got to visit my granddad in hospital, which wasn 't true that made us think, do you know what i really don 't know that he wanted to go and this but, but kind of a persistence over about forty minutes um, and of course, this friend did not mean him to come to any harm i 'm not quite sure why it mattered so much that he went because she wasn 't even going but for, and I know it wasn't just her going on at Dan. Um, one of his other friends said everyone was on at Dan to go. And I said, why did it matter so much that Dan went when he was clearly not that keen and not that bothered and left to his own advice as he'd have been in bed at home? Um, and And his friend George just said, if I was ever doing anything, I'd always want Dan to be there because everything was more fun when Dan was there, which it was. Everything was more fun when Dan was there. So one of the first lessons in life is don't be fun and then people won't badger you <laughs> <laughs> to do stuff that you don't want to do. Um, but it's so easy to be on both sides of that, especially, I mean, they were just a bunch of teenagers. Nobody meant it to go so badly wrong. Nobody had any idea it would. But I think for Dan, having been that frog in the cold water, as for so many, um, then finding yourself in that boiling water and not being quite sure how to get out of it. I think being at that rate, you'd start the other side. He'd he'd held off taking this MDMA all the way across London. He was watching these other boys um, sipping there as they dissolved it in water. And it takes ages to get to these raves because there's all this faffing around the are just breaking into some empty building and they don't release the final venue till really late so it doesn't get closed down before it's got going and otherwise it won't make any money. So there's all this faffing around. So it's it's like a sort of magical mystery tour for a bunch of teenage boys. You know, you go to a station, you've got to wait for another message and go to another station mm. and end up somewhere you've got no idea where you are on this industrial estate under the M4 motorway with a bunch of people you don't know that well with this stuff that apparently just on that very last train, somebody just spotted that he hadn't had it and said, are you not having that then? And at that point, he could just as easily have gone, nah, I'm all right. And he had said that about numerous things on so many occasions, you know, it, it, it wasn't that he was a pushover at all. He was, he was the first person to say, no, that's a ridiculous idea. Mm. Um, but he'd been watching these boys, they were all fine. In fact, probably having a great time because it makes you feel so happy and you love everyone and all that stuff. Um, whether he thought, I've paid 20 quid for this, I might as well have it. Whether he thought, it's going to be a long night, I'm going to need something to keep me going. I don't know and I and I will never know. And that decision-making process, especially in your adolescence, is so...
0: Yes, yeah, because you, you know, the thing is, in the adolescent brain is so... Uh, influenced by peers, yeah. So, you know, there there's there's yeah. such such a, a, a need to to be to be to to feel part of of a of a of a you know community and and you know because it's all about yes. creating your own tribe. So, you know, yes, we we you. I mean, you know, the the process, as you say, you won't know, but um, okay. But I think left his own devices, he would have been at home in bed and he'd still be
1: around. And that's very hard. But what can you do other than try and stop it happening to anybody else? Because yeah. it is, you know, there are so many things in this life that happen that are awful that we can do nothing about. But harm from drugs and alcohol, there are so many things that mm. can be done. And, and there are some really key players first first frontline is young people and and being a good friend as well as looking after yourself and and parents of course play such a vital role and and I think need to be empowered sometimes to know what a vital role they do play
2: Mm. it's very
1: easy as a parent of a teenager to feel get all sorts of messages from lots of different directions that they know they don't listen to you anymore they're only interested in what their friends say and even your teenagers can occasionally give you the impression that you know nothing and you're in irrelevance yes. and, and um but actually you're still such the most important influence in their lives and mm. they are listening to you even if they don't let on that they are and and in in terms of um data actually in terms of the government school survey that they do the students that they serve, they serve school government, uh, Public Health England commissions a survey of 11 to 15 year olds every two years. But one of the questions they've asked over the last couple of school surveys is, where would you go for useful information about alcohol and drugs? And top of that list is parents
2: Mm. for both of those,
1: which always surprises parents when I tell them that. They think it's (laughs) friends or the internet or- Yeah,
0: um, I I think- It's interesting, sorry, if you and I, because actually the research for the book, um what we realized about young people is that they actually care very, very deeply about their families and yes. they absolutely feel probably much more than than our generation. As in um oh, they, they they seem to sort of say that they care so deeply for their for their parents, for their siblings, for you know, and there's real connection and wanting to spend more time with their family than we ever did. So oh, that's interesting. Know. I didn't know that had changed. Yes, yes. Right.
1: So yes. Um I know there's always that thing, isn't it, that they well I don't know if it's this I don't this I don't know if it's the truth, but certainly for, for my boys and Dan more than, than than anyone actually, it's that thing about it was always much worse if I was disappointed than if mm. I was cross. Mm. He couldn't he just It was so hard for me to be upset at something that happened and disappointed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was always much more effective and powerful than Mm -hmm. just getting really cross. You didn't want to disappoint. And I think that's the same with many that makes sense and fits with what you've just
0: said yes they don't want to disappoint us and you know this uh, and also the thing is that, that also teenagers and, and and to some extent all human beings is that we want to love and we want to be loved yes and, you know that's one of the most basic needs that we all have so, you know, going back to what you were describing with Dan on that train that night when you made the decision, maybe there's also that need that you know if you feel that you are you know you're validated or appreciated by others, that might also be driving some of the behaviors so mm. so challenging
1: it's really hard isn't it such a hard It's a hard, I think probably most people, I don't know how many people look back on their adolescence and thought that was such a happy time. I really loved being a teenager. I, I would think most people think that was really hard. Yes,
0: yes, I agree. I agree. And you know, the thing is, maybe there are possibly far more things you know available to young people these days than than were you know for us or our parents and so therefore you know they have to navigate the the, the dangers so much yes so uh, you know obviously you said he he then decided to take to take the drugs on that train um Mm. and then do you want to share what sort of like what happened and like yes
1: yes Sorry, I've, I've done a really bitty story so it was i could start at the beginning and then jump to the end because i've done the middle bit really but so dan so he'd, he'd got into year 12 so he it was the second term he was doing really really well actually he loved being in sixth form after he got over that adjustment from GCSEs to a levels and like what do want from him on Mm-hmm. big essay subjects and but but he'd been in the school production just before christmas he was in the he was in a band he'd signed up as a boat married donor at the best ever parents evening in the november of year 12 first one in his entire life that was undiluted praise there was normally a little bit of well, help if, he if he wrote down his homework you know there's but it, but he was just he was doing really 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 well it was january um he got home from school on the Friday and asked if it was all right to go to a party that night so it was short notice but that's fine and we asked I asked all those mum kind of questions where was where was it and who was going to be there and when was it going to finish and there were things about it that were unusual so it's going to be a little bit further afield but not very far from us but just normally because they they grew up we just live in, in Croydon in South London and they boys grew up in Croydon they went to school in Croydon their friends mostly lived in Croydon if there was a party generally it'd just be around someone's house and it'd be very local and this was just a little bit further. it was going to be in Clapham so I mean it's not very far just one stop on the train but it was a bit further than usual but and it finished really late um but it, there was a whole story and it was a friend of a friend and there were going to be 15 of them going together and we checked there were going to be trains and buses coming back that time of the morning and we checked that he'd got money on his zip card so he could get the train okay and but I did have I just it just didn't sit quite right but you know when they get to that sort of age it's that it's those judgment calls isn't it that that whole you want them to have new adventures and to experience new things and and you want them to have to because they are learning to to be independent and you 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 so it's helping them navigate those decisions but also knowing that they can't always work it out for themselves if this is a good idea or not
2: yeah.
1: um and um I got that call wrong but I, I did I was I wasn't I didn't it didn't feel quite right and and I remember Dan saying come on mum you know I hardly ever go to parties which was true there weren't parties every weekend and he said and you know I'm sensible and responsible and he really really was and and it was I I was I trusted him because he was trustworthy most of the time but he's also a teenager and Mm -hmm. and we both we both got that call wrong um because as I as I said before it wasn't a party it was a rave it was right the other side of London to us it was it was these friends of a a friend it was a, a boy who joined the school for sixth form and they were friends from the friends he'd been at before one of dan's um much longer standing friends from school was there as well but he'd been at the school before and then he'd been at dan's school for the last um three years and he was very great friends with dan and he's actually my only source of information about what really happened because, apart from the police because um he was there and didn't take anything and he was kind of really looking out for dan um anyway yeah, i've done the the Journey there a bit and the sipping the MDMA and then Dan having his when they got there, and um, what happened was uh, basically he he his the MDMA that Dan got so five little bags of white powder. It turned out that the little bag that Dan had was was twelve times stronger than it had caused fatality in the past, but of course there's absolutely no way that you can tell by looking at whatever it is pills powder it's just you just can't tell what's in it or how much Um, and Dan was incredibly unlucky and he collapsed he was rushed to intensive care Um, he spent two days on life support he just massively massively overheated and it's one of the big risks. MDMA stops that bit of your brain working properly that helps you naturally regulate your body temperature. And then you're you're taking it, and doing something vigorous like dancing. It's a stimulant, so you can keep going a lot longer than you'd naturally be able to do. And then you're in a hot space where other people are doing that. And um, he just his body temperature got to forty two, and and everything just shut down. Um, so we had the police knock at the door, raced across London, all of that nightmare stuff that you never think is really going to happen to you. And spent a couple of days with him on life support, deeply, deeply unconscious. Just watching him slowly die. Really, we didn't know that he was. We thought, and hoped, and then despaired. And that that terrible, terrible, terrible lurching from one thing to another. Um, but it was it was just it was too much for him. And and after a couple of days, they. There was no choice. they did basically too much of him had died by that monday morning for them to be able to do anything about it and um they had no choice but to switch everything off and and he died very quickly because he was very poorly and so we 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 had we were left with no down and just knew we had to do something to stop this happening to anybody else because it's so unnecessary. I think it's this thing about choices because there's, there is always a choice. That's the thing. There's always a choice, and choices are so difficult and complicated, especially in your adolescence. But the the more you can do to the more you can equip young people to bring enough to that choice to just give them a better chance to come out the other side in one piece, then that that has to be that has to be something that that we do and that's what we've been doing then I guess what we can't do for Dan we can do for everybody else what things I wish he'd known and wish I'd known and um, and the lessons that he can't learn unfortunately for poor old Dan there's so many bits of his story including the whole decision-making thing and the role of friends and um, that that are useful lessons for other other young people to learn from and and in all that we do I and mean, when we've got this as i said we've got we've just got this a, a multi-component approach where we've got we've, we've got we, we work directly with young people we've got a little team of dogs educators now and i still go into schools more than i've really got time for but um and we've got uh we've developed planning and resources so that schools can teach young education throughout secondary in a sort of spiral curriculum so resources that are age appropriate build on what they've learned before and and, and we've got um, we do training for teachers and school staff and professionals working with young people we do workshops for parents and carers uh, we've got a youth ambassadors program so we're training and equipping 16 to to 20-year-olds to be those really positive role models and peer educators to, to younger students and and we've also um, a really really key part of the core part of what we do um, is that we commissioned a play um because drama is such a powerful way of communicating
2: mm.
1: a message to young people particularly i think it is anyway but i think particularly to to teen i think it's because that because Teenagers just can feel things so intensely and, and can care so passionately about things and, and drama, live drama, and live theatre. And, and whether you're seeing that we've, we, we commissioned a, a playwright um, who's just amazing, and, and two of his plays are set text on, the, on two of the GCSE drama syllabus, who's so widely known and respected in schools,
0: mm. Mark Wheeler.
1: Um, and he, he wrote this play, which was published by Bloomsbury in 2017 which is amazing so that's all over literally all over the world actually i'm skyping a school in new zealand next week who are doing school production and then we also commissioned him to adapt it to tour so there's a shorter much more kind of punchy dynamic uh um production it's, it's it's just 45 minutes and we've then commissioned a theater and education company to take that into schools for the last this is the fourth professional tour so by the end of this term we've, we've run it through spring terms the last four school years mm-hmm. and that will have 55,000 teenagers will have seen that play but mm-hmm. but so that has such an impact and and there's a workshop afterwards that's kind of very introductory drug education workshop and that does some kind of it does a bit of improvisation scenario kind of around decision making and peer influence. Mm-hmm. Um, but for young people that are that are in performing in the play um at or for young people seeing it Um, it just has a different sort of way of shifting perceptions of risk and consequence and Mm, mm. decision-making and the role your friends can play and the impact of your decisions on other people and how far that can reach.
2: Mm.
1: Um, So that's what we've been
0: doing. Um, That's, you know, um, This is, this is what I was, you know, so first of all, for me as a mom of two boys, you know, I've got a 12 year old and a 10 year old. And that's partly the reason I wrote my second book, How to Grow Grown Up is because I want, I wanted to understand, um, you know, having seen what's going on for, for university students, I wanted to understand what, as a mom, what I need to be aware of and what I need Mm. to understand. But, you know, like hearing your story, um, you know you is that transfer and so thinking you know it could be one of my children and I hope not but you know um and I can only but imagine you know start to imagine how you and you know your husband and and your children must have felt when that happened to them. so you know I'm I'm really sorry but uh, also I just think that the work you're doing is amazing it's so great that you are using the know this such a challenging situation you know and and one that i would i would imagine no parent would want to ever have to face to actually do some good in 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 the life of other of other young people because like you say obviously you know it's not possible for dan anymore but you know he still can can help and in a way, through through the story, Dan is helping other young people, even if he's not here physically to to do that himself.
1: Yes, I that's and that's such a lovely
0: way to see it.
1: Like he's still making a difference.
0: Mm. Yeah, he's he's making a difference. You know, through you and through the amazing work you're doing. So that you know, that's how very much I felt and in it and saw it for me it's just like you know and and, you know well done for all the amazing work you're doing that's just wonderful thank you um I was just wondering you know from from what you were uh, saying you know um what what would you say to to young young people and to parents what's you know so so there's you know, two things that sort of came to mind when you were talking. The first one is that, you know, you're talking about that gut feeling. Um, yes. It, and and very often when I talk to parents, uh, you know, when something happens, even if it's not something as horrendous as what happened to, to Dan, a lot of parents say, you know, I wish I'd followed my gut. gut yes. Uh, you know, do you want to talk to that to do this you know, for, for other parents or even you know because even then you know like with the excuses and stuff is, is there some place to sort of you know if it doesn't feel quite right to to question them you know what's going on
1: yes definitely i mean it is just so hard and and it yeah it, it but but I, I wish i wish that i had followed that instinct a little bit more um and I did, I did think afterwards, actually, I thought, was he, was he just coming up with this convoluted kind of story? And did he want me to say no? But then I remembered him doing that a little bit of persuasion going, go oh, on, mom, you know, how do you ever go to parties?" And I'm, and, and he was, he was, sens- he was sensible and sensible. He he kind of really matured into himself. Um, and I made the decision to trust his, his judgment, but it just didn't sit quite right. Mm. And I wished that I had followed that. And I think for other parents I think as a parent you do know I know that you don't always know but you can just have a feeling Of, of course and and however open and honest your your kids are sometimes when i've done a parents workshop parents will come up to me afterwards and say well of course my children are really open and honest with me and we, we talk about everything and and I, I kind of want to say but i don't like to well actually dan and i talked about everything he never stopped talking he was he, that grumpy teenage boy thing that just grunts and lives in i don't know what i mean that was not dan he was complete opposite he used to follow you around chatting, but but they're not going to tell you everything. I, I don't. like to say that because it's like, it's, um, no, no and,
0: and and you're right because I think they and they need that little garden. You know, they need yeah. to, and they need to be able to take some calculated risks and things that yes. they're not going to share with you. That's completely normal. And and to be honest, even. You know, the, the, the sad thing is, is the same for, for me when I, I talk to parents about young people who have, you know, mental health issues or feeling, you know, or languishing. Um, a lot of young people, are, you know, if they're not enjoying their studies and they're really not happy, and I just say, have you spoken to your parents? And they're just going, no, absolutely no way I'm going to discuss it. No way I'm going to say um, I'm not happy, I'm not enjoying my, my studies or I'm not doing as well as academically. And yet I'm sure that there are parents out there who are thinking "But I've got such a good relationship with my child. They will tell me if they're feeling Yes. Good down or if they're feeling slightly uh yes yeah, so they're, or they're not happy with something and and very often that the issue is that our children might not tell us because they're worried they're going to disappoint us or they're they're worried yeah. that we we are going to think less of them in in that way um and, and so therefore they don't they don't always share you know um and maybe I wonder you know in 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 Dan's case, if that's you know the, the that that notion of like taking drugs is that in some way they might just really worry or you might have worried that how how are as a parent how are we gonna receive the fact that you know our children that we see as still being the innocent little thing that baby that we took you know, got home from maternity as turned into this teenager who's now taking drugs you know it's mm. Mm.
1: it, yeah i i think i'm sure some of that is that that thing about not wanting to to be a disappointment i'm sure some of it's not wanting to get an earful as well
2: and be mm.
1: not let out for the next year um but i but i i think most of it is is or a lot of it is that not wanting to disappoint or upset or yeah uh, or worry as well
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, for dan his his whole experience with drugs was like three times it was over sh- such a short period of time and whether whether he would have have said anything at some stage i think I think he would just have left his own devices, probably just not have carried on being involved in it but but who knows um, but i think I think it's important for parents as well and I wished in some ways I had been more honest with with Dan from the other side and and been more open about my own feelings about things and said mm. do you know this I, I just have a really bad feeling about this on that specific occasion and I'm, I can think of lots of other occasions as well where I wished I just said look it just just worries me or it frightens me because um, mm. And it's. I'm sure I did sometimes. You know, when you try and think back, you can't remember everything that you've. No, no, of course. Said, and it's it. But but, but I think it's easy as a parent not to, you know, like we 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 want our children to be really open and honest with us. But I think as parents, we're often not as open and honest with our with our children about our own.
0: Yes. Thoughts yes. and
1: feelings, yes. and that would probably help them. Mm. understand why we're responding like we are
0: yes yes it's funny you say that because um, that's something that I've started to do with with Thomas he's he's 12 uh, 12 and a half because the other day I could see, you know, he was on his tablets, and I could see he was really struggling to, like, he wasn't listening to me. So I went to his level and I bent down and just looked at him. And I went, you know, sweetie, I'm talking to you. And he sort of looked up. You know, I sort of like plugged him out of the <laughs> ether, and so he looked at me. And I just, I said to him, I can see you're struggling to to get off the 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 tablet. I understand. And then he was like, "Oh, what were you saying?" And we started talking. And I, I then said, "Well, I'm going to go and take the dog. Do you come with me?" And he's like, "Oh, yeah, okay." So he, he went for a walk. And as we were walking, I said, "You know, I struggle with, with my phone and wanting to check my, my Facebook pages and my emails mm. and work and." his face he was like really and i was like yeah of course tom and he was just like oh my god he said you know with the research you do i really thought you were sorted that's that was his <laughs> i really thought you oh, were sorted that's... and had no issues and i went my goodness oh, my i said <laughs> i've got i'm human like like you and you know your dad and everybody else and i saw this sort of like ah. Oh, Okay, mm. so my mum's not this superhero, like this person that I've got to, I've put on this pedestal and, you know, and actually she, she's like me, she's got her challenges. And, and in a way, I think that fits in quite well with what you're saying is that sometimes maybe just sharing our fears and saying, oh, you know, this doesn't, you know, land quite right and, and I'd like to tell you why. Um at least they know why why we we're making decisions we're making or we're saying things, and and they might just yes. them reflect even more.
2: Yes.
1: Mm. And why it's important to know where they are, and and I guess it's coming from that from a point of view they their their being safe as well, and I I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all, and you know, every conversation is different for every situation, but um, if it's a situation where you, you need to know where they are, but just being able to explain that it's not just, but actually that they might find, it's not just that you need to know where they are, uh, so that, um, because you want to like control what they're doing, or I don't know, you know, like they might, that, yeah. that they, they, they might experience it, but actually... They might find that they something starts to go a bit haywire, something mm. goes a bit wrong. Um, it's so easy to get into a situation that can go in a different direction than you than you meant, and you can start to feel uncomfortable. And it's not always easy to get out of that.
0: No, no. Um,
1: but but it's about about them feeling and knowing safe, and knowing that they've got a way of getting out. I think everybody needs an escape plan. Hmm generally anyway yeah we talk talk to to teenagers about and to parents actually as well about setting up an escape plan Yes. um so there's a you know like a secret code that can be messaged and a a response you know just a a phone call or something that that will then get them out of them but it can be whatever would work for for that situation but setting something up just so they've got they, they can
0: yeah, they they've can, got a way out. They can yes, and they can yeah. text you, and you can go and get them, or you know, you can just you you can just yeah. If they text that particular message, you can then text them back and say something's come up, and I need you to come home, and you know, and then yes. it's okay because it doesn't look like they want to leave. It's just exactly yeah, mm. and it's
1: and just having that in their back pocket, and then that shifts the conversation from I think you're going to do something dodgy to just let's make sure that you're protected if you find yourself somewhere where where you might start to feel unsafe or uncomfortable
2: mm.
1: how are you going to get out of that and how are you going to get home
0: yes
1: let's, you know let's set something up so that i can give you an excuse if you need it
0: yes yeah and it's it's you know to me in, in dan's story is very interesting that unlike his friends it's almost like there was there was a part of him that wasn't sure he wanted to do this anyway because the fact that you know the fact that he didn't take it straight away um showed quite yeah Yeah. that was one of the things that's that's that was was very hard
1: for us was that there was that there was it was so many points at which the story could have ended so differently Mm. um but how easy is it to to find yourself there but yeah. that's actually that was the point at which we thought oh my goodness what if only because we we found he didn't we want to go to this rave and then we've been holding that taking the staff and we thought oh gosh why didn't we have some sort of excuse set up so that's one of the things that we, that, that we about. And actually a, a number a lot of people have got something like that set up already and it's by in america Bert folks we've we talked to people about his he's got to thing he calls the x plan set up that he set up with his kids and and I just text an ex and he'll then just call them and it just gives an excuse but I guess kind of shifting it to um, so that it's helping them to think about how they can manage a situation where they might start to feel unsafe or uncomfortable and mm-hmm. thinking through scenarios is really useful yes making sure that you're with your friends and that someone looking out for people and mm. Mm. Um, what would you do if this happened to you? That sort of problem solving in context is, is really
0: useful. Really important. And so, because Dan had a friend there that who was actually looking out for him.
1: Yes, but he lost track of him and it's not, it's easy to do in that sort of,
0: mm.
1: that sort of crazy situation. You've got, hundreds thousands of teenagers crammed into this industrial unit no responsible adults keeping an eye on anyone um, if something goes wrong it's easy to yeah. and he was just a, you know they were just kids and you one of the things we talk to, to young people about is what looking out for your friends looks like you know if you're with someone that's taken something it's really important you keep checking in with them and, and that th- there are these signs that you can look out for that something might be starting to go a bit wrong know, funny bud, mood changes or um if they're getting really hot or really cold or um, if they're maybe starting to behave aggressively or um or if they're hallucinating or or um kind of being quite uncoordinated or and even if they've taken something you might expect you might expect them to behave like that it can also be a sign that something's starting to go a bit wrong
2: and mm.
1: what is their friend it's just that kind of regular checking in really keeping a close eye and and um what to look out for if 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 w- at the point at which you might need to be getting help as well so and not being afraid to call 999 yeah,
2: things, yeah. you know so uh, how, to be, how to be that friend
1: is really important as well and, and teenagers do really they feel such a sense of responsibility for their mm.
2: for
1: their friends and really mm. really care about there's so many conversations after workshops where student will come up and say I'm really worried about my friend because they're taking all these risks and I don't know how to I don't know how to stop them and I don't know how to help them because I'm not their mom and I can't just say look you know I don't want them not to be you know I don't want to
0: yeah lose them and
1: and, but but really worried
0: Mm. Mm. and for parents do you I mean do you do you advise talking openly about drugs and about their impact and and you know yes. w- what would you say
1: definitely and i think the earlier you can start though so your boys age is perfect really because that the, the if you can i mean it's all these things are easier said than done but if but if you can make that a conversation that's a really comfortable conversation in your family then they can they can come back to it and you can come back to it without it seeming like an awkward thing. Yes. Or yeah. Maybe yeah. It may perhaps what you know what is there a is there a subtext here is there a is there a hidden message what you're saying and it, it's making that into something that's natural but but it's so important that that is a conversation that's ongoing
2: mm. and there's
1: always opportunities to you know there'll be something on the news or there'll be some a storyline on something that you're watching on television together or there'll be opportunities that you can create to yeah. have those conversations yeah. but um And I think one of the things we always say to parents as well is it's really important not to feel that you can't because you're not an expert and to feel that they know more than you do about this stuff. And Mm. um, they they may, they'll almost certainly have lots and lots of misinformation. There are so many misconceptions and misunderstandings bouncing around amongst teenagers. And also as a parent, don't assume that the school is doing drug education well. Because schools do struggle and and keeping their own information up to date and relevant and
2: accessible
1: is a challenge for them. Mm. You know, Google is our friend. There are lots of really useful places to to go. There are some useful websites uh, to to get more information. Frank is the Public Health England site. That's a really good starting point. Um, some, somewhere like drug sciences sort of ramps that up a little bit to another level if you like it's professor david nutt and there's some much more detailed information about drugs um, and research papers and podcasts and um, then somewhere like drugs and dot me is a harm reduction site so as a parent of older teens that harm reduction information is so important mm. difficult message to to, to have but when we're talking to students we always talk in terms of their friends and you can do that as a parent as well You know, if your friends are taking ketamine do you know what to do would you know how to reduce that risk to them the bottom line is always you just can't make that risk zero for anybody that goes ahead and takes something because risk is so complicated mm. but but would, would you know what to do and and we can find that out you could look that up together because i'm not really sure i don't really understand ketamine i don't know how it works um, have you seen anyone that's taken? It? You know, just you can ask lots of questions yeah. and be, be, yeah. be a little bit nosy and, and naive as well. Yeah. With without, I mean, it's not all teenagers respond well to that. They might think, "Why are you asking me that question? Do you think I'm taking stuff?" And yeah. um,
2: but,
1: but but exploring stuff together is really useful. And
2: mm.
1: and doing your own doing your own reading and research because this is part of their world. I think that's the thing for parents to just be realistic about. The, the That government data that I was talking to you, um, that I referred to earlier, the most recently published stuff was published just in the summer, but the survey was done in the autumn of two thousand eighteen. But, but that one of the questions they asked was, have you ever been offered drugs? Have you ever tried drugs? And this is illegal drugs, so it's not alcohol and cigarettes. And it was sixteen uh, percent of eleven-year-olds had been offered drugs, and nine percent had tried Wow! But really, really, you know, they're teeny tiny. Kids, it's around for them, and by 15 year olds, this is where my memory is tested. Um, but with 15 year olds, um, 38% had tried, and I think it was 59% had been offered something. If I'm wrong, I'm really sorry, my memory is rubbish. But that had really shot up when we started doing this in 2014. 24% of 15 year olds said that they'd been offered something, it's now 38% had tried something. I'm sorry, drug offers then more than half by the age of 15 will have been in a situation where they've had to make a decision and and something else that's really shifted in the last couple of years is exposure to drugs through social media Um, both drug offers and drug use and incentives price it is so blatant and openness about this but I think for a parent just know that your your kids are very unlikely to get through to the end of school without being in situations where they have to make a decision and it's it's not something that's for kids like that or families like that or communities like that this is something that's
2: part of your young
1: people's world and so it's therefore part of your world yes Yes. and it's something that you need need Mm. to know
2: about Mm.
1: and it's that really important combination of knowledge and understanding and information and Understanding how to help your your teenagers manage risk and relationships,
0: mm-hmm.
1: make decisions safely.
0: Yes, yes, I, I yeah. And then you know, one of the thing I often say to Tom, because of the research that I've been doing, and in fact, I say it to both both boys. I always say to them, there is absolutely nothing, nothing that you can say to me that I would not want to hear about. So, you know, whatever it is that you've got that is of concern to you, that you're unsure about, you know, please know that you can share it with me. Um, yes. And and when they do, even if there's a part of me that's not very happy, I always, I don't show that to them because yes. I want them to to know that I not only do I mean, you know, that I actually, yeah, I say it, but I really yes. mean it because one of the things that's really important is if we say, you know, there's nothing that you can do or say that I don't want to hear about or know about because I care and I can help you. Then yes. the thing next to that is not to lose it. If they tell you something that's a little bit sort
1: of left
0: field or, you know, things that yes. you wouldn't do. And, um, yes. No, and that's really
1: important. Talking about drugs and, and what we talk to, to parents about as well, in terms of having those conversations, is just to try not to panic, no. because or, or do anything that closes that conversation down.
2: Yes. And I
1: yeah. guess for going back to what we were talking about earlier, and, and honesty, I guess being able to be honest too and say. Um, d- it, it it may be something that that worries or upsets me or just dis, whatever disappoints me. But I'm a big grown up. I can take that. And it's yes. really important is that yes. that you can know that there is nothing that you can't bring to me. Yes. There's nothing that you can't tell me. There's, yeah. nothing, there's nothing that concerns you that doesn't also concern me,
2: because mm. of you
1: at the end of the day. Yes. Yeah it's easy all these things are easier said than done
0: yes of course of course and you know this is partly why I have this podcast and I'm talking to you and you know I'm trying to share with with as many people as possible because I think like we said previously we're all trying to make sense of what's going on and we're all trying to make sense of of the society we live in and you know I also often say that actually it's really important to view our children as almost like a, a different culture, different species, and you know, just not think. Well, in my days, this is what I did because you know, mm-hmm. they don't live in the world we lived in. You know, they have grown with the you know, world of Siri and and Google with all the answers and with yeah. access, like I you know, like we said, well, so many things that we did not have access to. And it's just about helping yeah. them navigate that, and and for us to understand also what then they're, they're navigating yes mm. yes it's it's it
1: and that's, That i i was very struck by that when you said that um last week at, at the event that you spoke at that it is it it is they they are living in a different world um and but but having said that, they are still children and they're the they're, they're children and that need to be loved and know that they're okay and know that they're safe but it is for, for, for parents it is such a different world
0: mm, yeah totally, totally and social media the
1: whole social environment there can be there are so many pluses to it
0: yes. but also so
1: many yes, yes risks totally. and hazards too yeah, so yeah. um but that's a whole different
0: yeah well, I'm, is, like, I'm actually interviewing um somebody next week in the states who's who's been talking a lot about how social media can harp, harm your mental health so um mm. you know and the impact and things so yes yeah. it, it that would be also you know, like you're saying people using social media to sell drugs or give access to drugs to young people um you know it it it's completely different different methods and and access for young people so as parents that's also something we need to be aware of and their whole
1: that whole social dynamic is so different because Mm. it's so it's so big their social networks are are huge Um, and and the way that that their social life um, takes place is so so different at the same time they're still having you know hanging around at people's houses and having parties and gatherings and all the other stuff that we know about but it's all very it's very yeah very very different and lots it's it's i would love to hear a bit more about what's really positive because we always hear about what's negative about social media and i know that there's lots that's really good for young people too about social mm-hmm. media and mm-hmm. how that can be it can be used as a force for good because everything has potential for this.
2: Yes.
0: yeah yeah doesn't and, it? And, and I in, in all the conversations I have with people and I'm not an expert in social media um I say you know social media and technology they're tools so yes. you know, if you compare that with with a knife you a knife you can use to cut bread or you can use to kill someone um how you choose to use the tool and what you do with with the tool that matters it's not actually the tool per se and actually I think it's really important as parents that we understand that you know technology and social media is their future artificial Mm. intelligence is actually the biggest threat to their jobs and employment in the future in a sense that a lot of jobs will be replaced by you know artificial intelligence and other things mm. so they really you know they need to be you know sort of t- tech savvy and to understand you know how to use social media but it's you know are we letting social media use us or are we using it and you know for me that's yeah. where the the line is really is it's knowing whether mm. you're using it as a tool or the tool is almost using you which is slightly different
1: Yes, and that's another whole set of tools that that young people need Mm.
0: to to earn
1: skills, I guess
0: yes and you know the, the thing is also as parents we need to understand that young people you know the prefrontal frontal cortex is not fully developed until yeah. 25 and the prefrontal cortex the, the part of the front of the brain is all about rational yet logical um decision making mm. you know or critical thinking so in a way as parents we need to help them uh self-regulate and you know understand the implications of you know if you don't self-regulate then that those are the consequences etc yes uh, yes, and and all of that as parents we need to understand and we need to have honest conversations about you know if you do this then this is what might happen and you know yes and and the with technology and the fact that we know it's addictive so it's having uh, looking at the recommendations and so sort of you know in a lot of in the states the recommendation is the the most common recommendation is two hours maximum of of screen times uh, for the best because actually it's really important that they are connected so they feel they belong because if yes you, if we don't let them connect then you know they'll feel different and you know they'll feel isolated from their friends and that is no good either so yes um yeah so
1: balance yes
0: totally it's a little bit you know it's about yeah balance a little bit of uh, allowing but also you know or doing our role as parents as well isn't it uh,
1: yes yes and 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 parents being I think again parents just being empowered and mm, equipped themselves to know how to be the best possible parents in in this very different
0: world yes totally agree you know what? It's been fabulous, Fiona, and I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> I could talk to you for hours as
1: well. It's really interesting.
0: <laughs> I'm sure we will have other opportunities to you know, meet up in person, but also maybe possibly for you to come again on the, on the podcast. I'd love that. That would be great. Thank you. Uh, so before we finish, I now ask all my guests to sort of, you know, if you had one thing that you would want to share, with parents you would want parents and teachers and young people to to take away from this conversation and and from you know what unfortunately has happened to Dan what would you what would that be oh my goodness that's very big one thing it can be two if you want to <laughs> <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> I, can I say three things yes yeah, yeah, which sure. is what I say
1: to it's what I say to at the end of every single workshop, if I went when I go into schools, I say there are three things one, no stuff, two, make sure your choices are your own choices and they're choices that, that are going to keep you safe. Lastly, most importantly, and I say this is my message to you as Dan's mum whether you feel it or believe it or not, take it from me. You are just so incredibly precious. Every single one of you in this room, you're more precious than you will ever imagine and to more people than you will ever imagine. You have no idea how many lives your lives touch. So please, as and when choices come your way, just make sure the choices you make keep you safe and get
0: you to go home in one piece. That is beautiful. And what a beautiful message to end this this conversation with um, thank you thank you so much Fiona, and i am sure i have no doubt that we will be doing more more things and you know hopefully you can come on the podcast again but um thank you so much it was lovely to talk to you
1: thank you for inviting me and in. it's
0: been lovely to talk to you too all right i'll see you soon
2: Bye. bye